Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. When the church ceases to be a movement, it will become a monument, then a museum, and lastly, a morgue. That when the church ceases to be a movement, it goes from being revolutionary, to evolutionary, to stationary, to reactionary. When the church ceases to be a movement, it goes from being life-changing, to life-draining, to being on life support, to being life-less. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In psychology, there's a concept known as a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habitual behavior which influences numerous areas of our life without being directly connected to them. For example, studies have shown that if you exercise regularly, you will spend less money. If you make your bed in the morning, you will have a more productive day. Why is that? Because those behaviors are keystone habits. What is the greatest keystone habit that is sure to improve every area of our life? Well, the answer is not a what. It's a who. The who is Jesus. If we make it a habit to have Jesus in our lives, He will influence every area of our life for the better. He is the ultimate keystone habit. In the series, Jesus And, we will be exploring how Jesus can influence different areas of our lives. We will tackle topics like Jesus in our possessions, Jesus in our generosity, Jesus in our voting, Jesus and our church, Jesus in our government. We hope this series encourages you to experience the change that Jesus wants to make in your life. Starts with, who do, who do they say that I am? When I was in college, I had someone come to me, and this wasn't the first time somebody had talked to me about Jesus or asked where I am with, with my eternity. This wasn't the first time, but it was one of the more meaningful times. And they came to me and they just said, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? And maybe you don't believe in Jesus. Or maybe you're just sort of doubting who Jesus is. Maybe you're very nominal in your faith right now. Who do you say that he is? My guess is your response will be something similar to what those disciples said that people around Jesus were saying about him, because that's what I said. I said, Jesus, well, he's a great guy, amazing teachings. Obviously, he's really helped a lot of people. But I don't know about him being the whole savior of, this, of the world thing. And then in that, they said, out of that, they said, you know, that's what I'm most concerned about you is I'm concerned about your eternity because you don't have that faith in him that you need to have. And the conversation got left at that. I mean, it really, I mean, it was so much for me to take on in that moment. I really didn't know what to make of it. But I knew, but what they were essentially telling me was, if you get him wrong, you can't, you can fill in whatever word you want here. You can't get your life right. You're going to have a tough time getting your marriage right. You're going to have a tough time getting your career right. You're going to have a tough time getting everything right if you don't get him right. Because inevitably, things happen. Pandemics take place. Job loss transpires. There is a divorce. There is a health issue. And things start pulling you apart. I didn't have him right. I had him wrong. And then what happened out of that is inevitably I started pursuing Jesus. I started looking. I started seeking him out. I started trying to ask questions. And then nine months later, I'm in a pastor's office and I'm professing my faith in Jesus. 
because I eventually got there. And then through the course of that, what ended up happening, through the course of that, what ended up happening is that I ended up, you know, ultimately moving into ministry. I allowed Jesus to be the cornerstone of my life. You see in the text there, what did, they, what did Jesus describe um, um, Peter as? He described it, or the confession as? He described the confession as a rock. And Jesus in the New Testament is often described as a cornerstone. And you've heard me say this before, but I have, it's worth repeating and reiterating periodically is that the Bible describes Jesus as a cornerstone. And in this day, in this ancient time, what he's saying is, is that there were, he's referring back to people going into quarries and pulling out marble and granite, and they would chisel out this really large stone, and they would spend, workers would spend the most time on that stone because its, its, its measurements had to be absolutely precise because every stone after that was going to be directed by that cornerstone. And so in these buildings, it was the largest stone. With every structure, it was the most important stone. If it was a little bit off, then that would have compromised the structure that was being built. And so Jesus is saying, I am the cornerstone of the church. He wants to be the cornerstone of your life. And maybe the question we have to ask is, is is Jesus the cornerstone really of your life? Or is some compromised version of Jesus the cornerstone of your life? Because when, it's, when he is the cornerstone, then things begin to line up. Things hold together. He holds all things together. It's not to say you won't still deal with difficulty, but it is to say that you'll be able to get through it and hold yourself together. And Jesus is saying, ah, that, that confession that I'm the Messiah, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is the cornerstone for the church, for your lives. And whenever we make him the cornerstone of our life, do you know what happens? Transformation. And that's what happened with me. It happened with me to the point to where friends of mine didn't really know what to make of me. It's been a few years, but when I was just moving into vocational ministry, I received this message from a friend of mine that I went to college with. So, so like I said, I didn't know who Jesus was. I thought he was just a good guy. But then through the course of time, I realized, like Peter realized, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And as a result of that, he changed my life. And so I received this message from this girl I went to high school with. She said, just out of curiosity, what happened to you? So she's seeing pictures that I'm posting on social media. She's seeing messages. She's seeing quotes. She's seeing Bible verses. And she's like, what happened to you? I mean, and check this out. I mean, you are the last. So just to make sure I didn't miss it. Okay, she put it in all claps. The last person that I ever thought. And she was around some pretty rough people. And I'm the last person that I ever thought would end up serving God the way you do. It's amazing, and I'm really happy you're doing it. But it's just so different. Not that I knew you that well or anything, but you just didn't seem like the type. Okay, that's enough. Talk to you later, Kansas. Or Candace. The last person. You see, when you get Jesus right, what happens is, like the people around you who would say, you'd be the last person that would ever get Jesus right, um, you become the one that's transformed. And isn't that incredible that Jesus, the power of Christ, the power of his love, the power of his spirit, the regeneration of, of you could be so powerful that people would look at you and be like, that's the last person I ever think would be faithful in pursuing Christ. But somehow he's holding them together and somehow he's doing something in them that nothing in this world could ever do in them. You see, it doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It'll never affect your eternal destiny. What matters about you is what you say about Jesus. 
And this person wrote me this message and was just essentially reiterating that point that I never would have thought this would happen to you, but it did. And it's, it's incredible what God can do with somebody's life. It's incredible what God can do when we get Jesus right. And he builds a church that nothing can take down. In fact, he builds a gathering that's meant to go out into the world. And that's the second thing that we see from the scripture from Jesus is that we must keep the church a movement. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. He uses this word, it's, it's a Greek word there, and it's known as ekklesia. Let's get to the text here again. He said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'll explain that ekklesia word in a moment, but the gates of Hades. You see, often we view the church as this fortress. We're supposed to hunker down, keep safe, stay comfortable. That's what we're supposed to do. We build big walls, we keep people out, we're supposed to stay safe as we possibly can. But Jesus flipped it. He said, no, no, you're not supposed to hunker down and stay safe. You're supposed to be the one running in and being uncomfortable. That, that as you do that, that actually we think we're the fence and we're the wall and there's a wall, a gate to get into. No, no, that's what darkness is. And we're supposed to go after the gate because the gate is the only way in. See, it's this thing that opens and shuts. It lets you in. And if you want to take your light into that darkness, then you got to go through the gate. And you bang that gate down. You are the battering ram. We are the battering ram. That's what the church is. But you can't be a battering ram if you don't see yourself as a movement. And that's what we have to see ourselves as, as this true ecclesia. A gathering or an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. And this word was used in a variety of different settings in ancient times. One of them was even a military setting. It, was the, it would be used in the context of soldiers coming together, gathering for a purpose, getting their directives, and then going out into the world and fighting the battle. They would go out into the world. They would take this little bit of light they had, and they would batter down that gate and shine it into the darkness. It's like friends of mine. They, they lived in a 1,600-square-foot um, a, a townhouse, four kids. I mean, that's unbelievable. Three bedrooms. So the kids are all sharing bedrooms. And they've got this light. And they're saying, Jesus, what are we supposed to do with this light that we've got? And they said, well, let's, we, don't, you know, we don't have any room in our house, so let's, let's uh, foster a few kids. Isn't that what you do? I mean, you're already uncomfortable, so let's make yourself even more uncomfortable. No, we don't do that. We, like to, we, like, we try to fight our way into being more comfortable. But you can't take light into darkness if you're not willing to get a little uncomfortable. And so what they did is they fostered, they've been fostering for the last four years at least two kids at a time. And so they, they bring two more kids into their home. It becomes even more uncomfortable. And why do they do that? Because they're taking this little bit of light and they're battering down the darkness that was in those kids' life. That's what happens when you're the church. And when we gather 
The goal is for you to get that kind of a directive, to get that kind of inspiration, motivation to go out into the world. And we see that in the Hebrew, that they, even, or in the Septuagint, whenever they describe the people of Israel, which the Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament, they would describe the people of Israel as an ecclesia, that even though they're moving around, even though that they were dispersed through exile, they were still an ecclesia because they were seen as God's people going out, demonstrating God to the world. And that's why you often see in the Bible, God's people directed with a go, 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 go. This is what it says, Abraham. God says, Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. David, go and build a temple, which actually just ended up fundraising. And then Solomon built the temple, but that's another story. Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh. Jesus to the disciples, go and make disciples. Jesus again to the disciples, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost regions of the world. And what do we go and do? Man, you just display God to the world. And we lose sight of that purpose, but that's the purpose that we see Ephesians chapter three. How would you expect God's wisdom to be shown to the world? Well, Ephesians three says, God, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there are angels just peering over God's shoulders, trying to see his notes, see what his plan is, looking at the blueprint. God, how are you going to bring it all together? And then there's the church and, he's, and they're left saying, this is it? This is how it's coming together? And then Paul writes and he says, Church in Ephesus, you are supposed to go out into the world and display God to the world, that the manifold wisdom of God is meant to come into the world through you. And so when I see that, I'm thinking, wow, that's incredible. That's unbelievable. It's impossible for us to do too much. Even though we look back and we're saying, well, we did a lot. We look back and we say, man, I'm pretty tired and exhausted. No matter where you're at, you can't ever do enough because the wisdom of God his omnip all of his omnipotence is meant to be displayed through you, through all of you and me. And so what happened to us? Where have we gone off? Why are there churches closing? There were churches closing before the pandemic. Well, we went from being the ecclesia of God to being what's now known and, and what we know as is the German phrase. We went from the ecclesia of God to the church of man. Kirch is where we get the word church from, which literally means the house of the Lord. And this word was primarily motivated from, man, what happened when Constantine legalized Christianity. You see, up until then, we were this, Christians were this sect of people that were special, where we were set apart, we were unique, we were peculiar. And when, I mean, you think we got it bad with the pandemic. I mean, they're dealing with plagues. People were, I mean, if you got it, you were dead within a few weeks. And what were the Christians doing that nobody could make sense of? Well, all of the Romans are running away from those villages where the plagues were. And the Christians were running into them. And there's letters of these governors writing to one another saying, how are we supposed to get rid of these people when they love others so well? They're the ones going and taking care of these people who are dying. They have no fear for their own lives. Even though we persecute them, even though we destroy their scriptures, this church just keeps growing. That was the ecclesia. And then it was about a decade after, historically speaking, approximately about a decade after Constantine legalized Christianity that 
we gave way to more of a church. And we went from being a people to a place, went from being a movement to a meeting. And as a result of that, we lost some of our purpose. We lost the urgency. We lost the significance that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed to all of the world. And here's what happens whenever Christians settle for just being the church of man and not the ecclesia of God. You know what happens? Man, you can lock the door of a church, but you can't lock the doors of an ecclesia. That's what's going on here. And no matter what it is that comes against us, the ecclesia keeps going. That, that even in spite of your death or my death, the ecclesia is just gonna keep growing and expanding and moving. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And, and hear me on this. I'm not saying that what we have here is bad. Like this is wonderful what we've got here. And we ought to gather. We ought to celebrate. We ought to make the most of this. There's wonderful things that happen because you have a building, you have a place to gather. But this is meant to be the launching out place. We launch out into the world to go be the ecclesia of God. But when we get this wrong, check out some of these progressions. When the church ceases to be a movement, it will become a monument, then a museum, and lastly, a morgue. That when the church ceases to be a movement, it goes from being revolutionary to evolutionary to stationary to reactionary. When the church ceases to be a movement, it goes from being life-changing to life-draining to being on life support to being life-less. Man. But when we get it right, and that's really what this is all about, Man, the world gets changed. The world gets turned upside down. And people look back and they say, how in the world did this little carpenter from Nazareth change the world, divide time, essentially influence the creation of countries and all sorts of different things throughout the world and culture? Well, it's because it was a movement of God that was taking place through his people. And some of you, maybe you've lost sight of that. Maybe over the last seven months, you've felt very isolated. You're, you've been hunkered down in your home, trying to survive and take care of your kids the best you can. Now you're dealing with maybe homeschooling or you're dealing with this hybrid system with the schools and you're like, how am I gonna make sense of this? And you're going crazy. You know, maybe because you've been, you know, you're, because of your age or you got some health condition, you've been isolated. Maybe because you've got a family member who's high risk or has got a health condition, you've been isolated. Maybe, you know, you've just, don't believe in Jesus, or maybe again, you're very nominal in your faith and you're just, just staying isolated so you don't get sick. But maybe you're, but you're here now. And that's good. Because the devil, the Bible tells us this of the devil in 1 Peter chapter five, that he is roaming to and fro in the earth, looking for someone to devour just like a lion. 
I was watching the National Ge- some National Geographic videos recently, and I came across the video of a water buffalo that somehow, some way, was isolated from its herd. And you don't, have to, you don't have to have much of an imagination to imagine what happens when a group of lions surrounds a water buffalo. Because here you see, you got this one over here crouching, ready to pounce. There are others around. You got this one basically distracting him. Well, this, it won't be long before one grabs the leg, another grabs the neck, and their bellies are going to be full, and it's going to be really, really gruesome. But then I saw another video. It was a water buffalo who had gotten isolated from the herd again. And he's swimming across the river, and as the water buffalo is swimming across the river, he gets up on the shore, gets his legs under him, and then there before him is just a pack of lions six of them just waiting to pounce. And now this buffalo isn't gonna go down without a fight. I mean, who, none of you, I know none of you would either. You're not going down without a fight. And so as the lions come, it charges and pushes one back, but then there's another getting closer and they keep getting closer. And it's, it's sort of, it's just navigating the situation, barely surviving, but the pack seemingly keeps getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And then you see this, waving of branches off in the distance as the camera's panned out. And it looks as though it's the wind, but then the trees start falling over. And then before you know it, before you know it, there is a herd of water buffalo charging out of the woods up to the shore. And then you've got these lions, they're running. They don't want any part of this. They don't want to have, they aren't going to let one of theirs go down. And that, friends, family, is what you have in the church. That you can get so isolated that the devil is going to pounce on you, but you can't let yourself get isolated like that. And guess what? You've got a gathering of people here who won't let you get isolated like that. And that is the significance and the importance of us regathering, that we can come forth and we can scare the devil away. He's going, you resist him and he'll flee. He's going to wait for another day. And then as we come together, as we encourage one another, as we bring light into the darkness of each other's lives, as we bring hope into the despair, as we bring calm into the anxiety, as we come into each other's lives, we can be there to help support one another and then to go into the world and to be that to others because the devil doesn't just want you, he wants everyone because we are all made in the image of God and everyone he takes down is a victory for him. But when the church is the church, we batter down those gates. And that is why empires rise and empires fall. Kingdoms come and they go. Presidents are in office and they're out of office. That is why the Ming Dynasty lasted 256 years. The United States has been around approximately 240 years. The British Empire has been around 500 years. The Babylonian Empire, 1,000 years. The Roman Empire, 1,100 years. But the church is 2,000 years and counting. And it doesn't matter what kind of anxiety people are dealing with. It doesn't matter what kind of depression they're dealing with. It doesn't matter what kind of pandemic is before us. It doesn't matter what kind of economic disparity there is. It doesn't matter who is in office because Jesus Jesus is still on a throne and the tomb is still empty and the gates of Hades will never prevail against his church. And that is why what you do as you serve is so important 
because you're taking a little bit of light and you're pouring it into those little kids. That, that is what you do when so many of you teach and you serve, you're creating a space and an opportunity to someone to come in and to get a little of that light in them. And this is the Father's house and we're here. And this is a place where skeptics find answers, where prisoners can experience freedom, where addicts can have the chains of addiction broken. And it's not by us, but it's by His Spirit that resides within us. It doesn't matter what they've ever said about you. The only thing that matters is what you say about Him. And you might be the last person that anyone would ever think would be here and would ever serve God in great ways and ever would do great things for God. But that doesn't matter what they say because God has called you to display the manifold wisdom of His throughout this world. And so let's have a word of prayer and pray for that. And we're gonna worship and then we'll wrap things up. I'm excited to be here with you and I'm glad we've gathered, regathered. Thank you, Father, for this time that we can all have together. Thank you for this group of individuals that are here now. Lord, may we have a greater sense of the purpose you've called us to. Have, may we have urgency, Lord. There's so much light that needs to be given to the darkness. Father, we're grateful for the light you've displayed in our lives. And Lord, there are so many people that are asking who you are. Everyone from Nicodemus to the woman at the well, to our neighbor, to our coworker, to a family member, to a spouse, to a child. And may we be a people who tell them who you are. And Father, help us to be a church. Help us to be a people that go forth and take down the gates of Hades. In Jesus' name. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.